Let me start by greeting uh, the program director. Thank you very much, uh, Chief and uh, the President of South. Uh, my apologies. I have to switch off this thing, otherwise it disturbs the system. Uh, the acting vice chancellor of UJ, Professor Angina Parekh, and thanks for hosting us. Uh, I don't know whether the vice chancellor of Nelson Mandela is already here. Uh, he's supposed to be with us, uh, Professor Derek Swartz. The president of South Tabumoloja and the executive members of South. The presidents and executive members of Student Representative Council from both our universities and colleges, the presidents and executive members of student political organizations who have also given their messages of support here, uh, delegates, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, comrades. Uh, let me also start by paying tribute to the old man, Mati, that is on our, in our thoughts as he is lying in hospital for a month now. Uh, we will indeed, as a department, as we have done over the past three years, four years, three years, be celebrating the 67 minutes uh, in the manner in which we have done this before by having a career guidance festival, which we've been doing now. We'll be doing the fourth one now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, this year, we were holding this where we invite the CITAS, the universities, the FET colleges, and high school students of all the schools in that particular district. We'll be having about four to 5,000 people. Each time we hold this, we'll be holding it at Maluti FET College. Um, and the Free State. I must say, I have protested without any success in the ministry about who chose that we go to the college. It looks like my office is heavily infiltrated by a team I shall not name, uh, which wants to embarrass the minister in particular. Uh, but I won't make any further disclosures. <laughs> Thank you for accepting our invitation and for your attendance of this occasion. This is a very important and historic occasion for our department and for me personally, as I had been looking forward to this day for a long time. Early on in my tenure as the Minister of Higher Education and Training, I convened a number of stakeholder summits to discuss pertinent issues which particularly relate to the different sectors 
within the post-school education and training system. The missing part had been the student leadership constituents. The fact that the summit had not taken place until now had not been an oversight, but a plan that has been a long time coming. Earlier in the year, we hosted a student, a student leadership conference for the FET sector, and I decided on this one that it should take place in the middle of the year. Contrary to some leaders who fear students, I don't fear students. <laughs> I welcome engagement with students. We think that it is important as a country that we invest in our youth unapologetically. I know I may be asked questions in Parliament. How much money did I spend on this summit? I will proudly declare how much money I spent on it because it's a necessary investment. And I would also like to challenge all our university leadership in their different forms to engage rather than to seek to marginalize student formations. And that is very important. When we met in a summit in April 2010, Higher Education Summit, we committed to building student-centered universities. So should we build student-centered colleges as well, because what are our institutions about if they are not about serving students? Of course, there are multiple reasons why I decided on this summit, on this leadership summit, and I've already alluded to the first one, and that is to ensure that we've covered the whole of the sector and stakeholders with regard to consultations on higher education and training. Indeed, this is not a once-off occurrence, but the beginning of many to come. So we are planning for as long as I'm minister. Uh, we are planning to host these leadership summits annually. They must become part of the higher education calendar. So that also can get a chance to, to engage on your own. And we must resource that like we did yesterday unapologetically, so that you don't only meet when you meet with us, but you are able to meet on your own and to be able to better prepare for this. This is truly historic. I do agree with those who have spoken before. We have never had such a gathering in our country. And this is very important. But I want to challenge you as well to do something that you are capable of doing. Well, we are capable of doing both these things. But I'm going to say, please, focus less on the one and focus on the other. Don't lament in your engagements. We all, you know, it's very nice to lament. It's like sometimes, you know, it makes you to speak. You feel better after you have lamented and lamented and lamented. <laughs> of course, we've got many challenges. Let's focus on concrete proposals on what is to be done on the many challenges that face us. I think that would be my challenge to this discussion. Of course, part of calling such a summit is part
part of empowering our student leadership to engage in policy issues from an informed standpoint. We are not saying don't critically engage with them. We want you to critically engage with them, but also enrich them. So this summit then opportunity is for you to engage with government. Of course, our focus this time was on the university sector, as I had met with the college sector, but we thought important also that your college student leadership also is part of this, even though the main focus this time is on universities. We know we still face a number of challenges of access, challenges of success, the quality of some of our qualifications are still not yet up to scratch, and our universities as providers of the highest level of academic education among post-school education and training institutions must contribute to the strengthening of the entire post-school system and contribute to national development. But allow me, uh, co-chairpersons and, and, and ladies and gentlemen and comrades, to, to, to reflect very briefly. I would not like to really respond to all that has been raised because I think we must use the next two to three days to tackle those, not from lamenting, but from the point of view of coming up with suggestions and proposals. But allow me to, to touch on a few. SASCO raised the issue of engineering in, in what we call HDIs, historically disadvantaged. I know that there's a debate whether those institutions should be called that, much as there is a debate whether we should call them black institutions, though they, they still have, they are predominantly black. Some of them exclusively. <laughs> we, we are aware of this issue such that we do have a plan to begin to introduce engineering programs in particular in some of our historically disadvantaged institutions. We think that is important because it's part also of expanding the provision of SCAR skills and addressing SCAR skills in our country. So do we agree with what has been raised on the issue of articulation? And I, I hope that during the course of your discussions, as the president of, of South and other representatives here have said, you will address this issue of, of, of articulation. This thing of FET colleges, I've had it, charging registration fees for NESFAS recipients is wrong, is against policy. I think we must work together to tackle it and, and put an end in it. I understand in some instances students are even required to bring the money in cash, which clearly shows that there is corruption. But why do you keep quiet? Why do you keep quiet about it? No, it shouldn't be. It means you're weak. <laughs> yes. It means you are weak in terms of student organization. Shouldn't happen. You know? We're willing to intervene as the department when those matters are drawn to our attention. But don't turn us into a super SRC as the Department of Higher Education and Training. 
you have to tackle many of these matters in the first instance yourselves in your institutions. That is why it is important that also we have such gatherings so that we empower ourselves about what is supposed to happen. All students who are NESFAS recipients, both in universities and FET colleges, are not required to pay registration fees anymore. They pay them by having those being absorbed into the NESFAS loan. So they don't have to bring any money up front for registration. Where that is happening, it's illegal, it's against policy. And that money is being stolen, frankly. There is no other reason to explain that. This issue of student victimizations, it gets raised all the time. Discuss it here. And say, I mean, how do you allow an institution to get away with what you clearly think is victimization? It's going to be very important that we actually discuss that. Where, we, where our attention has been drawn to either acts of victimization or alleged victimization, we take the matter up with the university. One thing that disturbs us that has been drawn to our attention is the fact that there is new, possibly new information about this student who died at Northwest University, apparently from drowning. But there is now some evidence that is imagined that actually he died as a result of some initiation practices. I'm not saying that's the case. But we have handed the matter to the Hawks. Because if that is the case, those must be nailed who actually did that. And by the way, we have called for an end to these initiation processes. They do not belong in a democratic South Africa. They are primitive. <laughs> and they often take a racial form. Often there is abuse of black students by white students. We don't want a repeat of what happened at the University of the Free State. That actually reads in You know, if there is one thing we must do, we must fight racism. With all the power we have, we must fight racism. In the name of Nelson Mandela, we must fight against racism and patriarchal practices in our own institutions. Unapologetically so. There are those who are telling us today that no, to raise the issue of races to be racist. Actually, that's an excuse to justify practices that are unacceptable in our own institutions. Now, on African students, by the way, I'm glad you are raising this matter because I, I hope you will speak with one voice because I hear some student formation saying, no, there's too much increase now of foreign students. They are taking our places. On the other hand, you are saying, well, rightly so, we need to look after them, okay. We've got commitments at SADC that our institutions can take 5% of their student body can be students from the region, SADC, and we charge them as local students. But it applies to all the, 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 the SADC countries. 
Except the challenge, the traffic tends to be one way. For understandable reasons. We are the only southern country that has got 23 universities. Some southern countries have one, two, three. But also that is a problem because also we are not having South African students studying in other southern countries. That's a problem. It's a problem. We must change that attitude. We can't say we are Africans, but we can't also as South African students go and study in Zimbabwe, in Namibia, in other countries, in the continent for that matter, so that we improve our own understanding of our own continent. Now, here is another matter that is of concern to us. The collapse of governance at some of our post-school education and training institutions. We hope it's a matter that you will have an opportunity to reflect upon. Some of the reasons why we are putting more emphasis on improving governance of universities is not only informed by our national priority, but a realization that some of our universities are becoming centers for corrupt practices, adherence to personality cults of certain individuals, the erosion of the academic enterprise, and centers for mediocre academic activity, frankly, some of them. We have had to intervene in some institutions when administration just collapses. Some of the institutions were forgot to do this more than once. But all these institutions are historically disadvantaged institutions, almost without exception. What does that mean? It means at one level, we are aware that what we are dealing with often are systemic problems that we need to address. Some of them historical. But others are problems caused by individuals causing problems. Like one university where we intervened after the university we found had 93 different bank accounts with different signatories. How do you run a single institution when that is happening? But also, the, 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 you should challenge yourselves also as students. Often when there is a problem in an institution, the blame comes to the Department of Higher Education and Training. Why? Why should we be blamed for something that happens when we are not there? We are not saying we won't take responsibility for those challenges. But what are our students, SRCs, doing when they watch institutions declining? By the way, I'm going to be honest with you because I want you also to be honest with us. Some of the students have been co-opted into corrupt practices. How does a student who comes from a rural village on Nesfas having a flat screen television in his or her room? How does that happen? I, I as a minister, 
I think twice I have to save for to buy a plasma high definition. But some students have just got that. Some of them even transport. It's an issue, you know. Then when things begin to collapse, then you march to 123 Francis Pound. I'm saying, all of us, let's take responsibility for ensuring that our institutions are functional. Let's define our respective roles, in other words. That is the challenge I'm putting to you here today. Now, sometimes when we intervene, here's another matter, another challenge to you. Sometimes when we intervene in institutions, or when we try to improve intervention, like with the latest Higher Education Amendment Act, some universities are beginning to say we are challenging their institutional autonomy. And what do students do? They march to 123. Francis Bart. And you are absolutely silent about this. Why? You know very well why we want to give independent assessors power to demand documents when we send them to an institution that is in trouble. You know that is necessary. And often, by the way, not often, all the time these are your former black institutions. But it's people from your historically advantaged institutions who are leading a fight against this intervention. Why? Are they trying to prevent us from saving and growing those former black universities? So that the other universities that are better placed remain advantaged. But you are silent as the student voice. When we get taken to court, the threat... Some of this, by the way, is got... It's got to do with preventing, with, with, with preserving privileged position in South African society, which has been ill-gotten under apartheid. You know, I'm waiting for a report. I'm getting a report, uh, John, this week from the Oversight Committee on Transformation about the state of our universities when it comes to race and gender. Just one thing I want to share with you, I'm going to be releasing this thing. University Senates are lily white. That's a problem. That's a problem. 20 years into our democracy, some of the people who are attacking the government, they are sitting comfortably in Lily White University Senate. Some are getting worse, by the way. I'm looking at a number of indicators and I'm going to be releasing this information and saying as a country, what do we do? How do we partner with you as student formations, irrespective of, 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 of your political affiliation, to change this? In other words, what I'm calling for, by the way, I mustn't be misunderstood. I don't mind if you march to 123 Francis Park. Sometimes it provides for some excitement. The only problem... <laughs> the only problem, you don't negotiate the date with me. <laughs> 
<laughs> so often I'm not there. And I don't want to sound partisan, but I want to ask Sasko, how do you march on the 26th of July when the YCA is having an NGC in Kimberley? <laughs> now, if you tell me and negotiate a date with me, I'm happy to come and receive your, your, your demands from the march. Because often many of the things you say we agree with, the issue is how do we achieve them working together. It's not that anybody is against free education, but how do we work together to, to reach that? By the way, the FET colleges, some of the FET colleges are not different in terms of governance challenges. We have how many colleges that are under administration at the moment? Twelve. Twelve. Out of fifty. That's too many. By the way, I don't want you to be under the impression that I like putting any institution under administration. It's a pain. I don't like it. We don't, it demands more capacity from us. We are a small department. We are not a big department. We've got our own internal capacity challenges. We do not like to put institutions under administration, despite the fact that some people try to present me in particular as a Stalinist who likes to exercise power and control institutions. I have no interest in that. But also, I'm worried about the, 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 the level of debate and intellectual engagement in our universities. And the place to raise that is with you as students. You aren't even debating this issue of institutional autonomy. Institutional autonomy is not an inherently progressive practice. Okay? We are for institutional autonomy, but also institutional autonomy can be used to prevent intervention by a university that continues to practice racism and seeks to say, Minister, you can't interfere with my autonomy. Go away so that we don't go and see racist and patriarchal practices in those institutions. There is nothing inherent in institutional autonomy unless it is accompanied by commitment to transformation. I need theorized lesson. Today I'm not hearing you on some of these issues. Much as we debate free education, let's debate these matters. We would be more than happy to create a platform for that. And let's hear different views. I was enjoying the inputs here. I'm very proud that we have convened a body that has got the wide range of student views that are being represented here. It was nice to listen to Dasso, to Africa, uh, to Inasma. It's very nice. I think that you must keep, we must try and keep the spirit so that we engage, we are able to engage each other. But also let me raise another thing. In our universities, just like it has happened globally, there aren't enough diverse voices on the challenges facing the world and challenges facing society. There is a dominant, one dominant view the market is the solution to everything. We know that that market is in a crisis right now, globally. 
In Cyprus, the government is stealing people's monies by raiding their bank accounts. I've never heard of such a thing. I'm sorry, John. John, uh, his parents are from Cyprus, so it's not a, a, an attack on you. <laughs> Where are other views, a festival of ideas? You know, some of the people who are challenging us in court, they're not challenging. Some of them are not honest. It's because they are defending a particular set of ideas and institutions that must continue articulating something. The only people who can bring this vibrancy is the student movement, by the way. And we hope some of you will also do your postgraduate studies and become lecturers in these institutions. We have a crisis in these institutions. We have got aging academics, but also part of the challenge we have, partly understood, Many black students in particular do not, they want to get their first diploma or first degree and go. Because of the pressures at home. We have to find a way of changing that. Better resourcing of postgraduate studies. Government has got also other policies that it has developed. That's why we are using this We said, Let's ask the Minister of Economic Development to come and engage you around infrastructure, the new growth path, industrial policy. Let's also get Minister Manuel to come and present to you so that you can have a chance to listen to this national development plan. Because you are the future, you are right when you say so. And you have to understand these issues and link them to your ongoing day-to-day -day work. You know we have a government that has said education is an apex priority. It's not only amongst the five priorities, but it's an, it's an apex priority. How do we use this? Yes, do demand. But what is going to be your own contribution to this opening? Let me just deal then with the last set of issues that uh, I wanted to raise with you. I'm a great believer in this approach to things. We must build on our achievements in order to tackle our challenges. That's very important. Anyone who starts with problems as a way forward is a very negative approach to things. We must build on the advances we've made in order to tackle our problems and challenges. I'm a great believer in that. It's a much more positive approach. Let me share with you very quickly some of our achievements that we are proud of as this department. Of course, some of these achievements we are building on achievements made since 1994 by the ANC-led government. But this department itself has made its own contributions. We have reached now a million NESFAS students through NESFAS. We know that some of those students dropped out, but many of them today are graduates because of this NESFAS, many of them are playing a leading role 
We try sometimes to blackmail the DG of treasury. We don't often succeed. He is a Nesfas beneficiary. So when we go and look for some more money, we say, DG, you know what Nesfas can do? Has produced you as a DG. Give us more money. We've got many of those. This is a huge achievement for our country. For those who are rich, they don't understand what this means. It's like me coming from a madhouse in Itindale in Dambusa. When, when electricity was put into that madhouse, I really felt teary because I never thought in my life that you could put electricity in a madhouse. To those who grew up with electricity and took it for granted, it meant nothing. For me, the first time I lived in a, in a, in a, in a, I slept in a place with the electricity was when I went to university for my first year. You know, sometimes when I was on my own, I would like press on. This year, we're going to be paying 3.7 billion rand on NESFAS for university and 2 billion rands for FET colleges. You know, FET colleges, NESFAS, in 2009 or 10, when it was 310 million, 2009, the bursaries were only 310 million. By 2013, it's 2 billion rand. That's a huge jump. In total now, this year, we're going to be spending more than 6 billion rand on NESPAS. And we are committed to growing this. Now, we're also proud of the fact that Your historically, this is the first time this happens, Chief. That your historically disadvantaged institutions will be receiving over the next three years 1.4 billion rands for student housing. And your historically advantaged institutions combined, they'll only be receiving 239 million. This is a huge shift we are making. 1.4 billion for your historically disadvantaged and only 239 million for this. Because we really are wanting to put more resources to tackle backlogs and infrastructure, but most of this money is going into student housing. Of course, as we have said, there is what we call the Zuma funding, which we are proud of. And also some two years ago, by the way, we set aside 200 million rands for all those students who have finished and passed but have not graduated because they owe. That was very important because lots of people, we released a lot more graduates into the labor market. We, have also, we are also going to be investing 5 billion rands over the next three years into the FET colleges for infrastructure, equipment, and other capacity building for FET colleges. Five billion. Also, we want FET college students who are doing motor mechanics 
to be taught about engines of cars that are on the road. Not cars that were on the road 20 years ago. Now we are young, we won't understand this. Those of few of us who are here of my age know that we grew up one of the cars we knew very well was Valiant. And that car had what were called points. So if you didn't want to start, the first thing you would do is to take a sandpaper and go and clean the points. Today there are no points. But I've discovered some FT colleges are still teaching engines on cars with points. And we must change that with this 5 billion rands so that they are able to be taught motor mechanics. Motor mechanics is very sophisticated today. Today's motor mechanics, they use laptops. Now, these are the investments. We are building 12 new college campuses this year. Targeting the most rural of areas where there is no post-school institution. 12. With this 5 billion rands. Over the next three years, we have also set aside just over 6 billion rands. It's important for me to, to go through this. You will see why. We have set aside over 6 billion rands for university infrastructure with a particular bias, as I have said, towards student accommodation and towards historically disadvantaged. The universities themselves, from their own reserves, are putting 2 billion. So it's 8 billion. We have also, by the way, published a draft residence policy for universities. I hope we are, we are, we are engaging with that. To say, amongst other things, priority for residences should be given to first-year students. Because they are the most vulnerable. Do you know 40% of NASFA students fail their first year? We are not saying this is a silver bullet. But let's prioritize first-year students. Some universities are doing that very well. Coming from the, the recommendations that was made by Professor Rensberg, who had investigated the state of university accommodation. Now, I know I've been troubled with the FETs because they will say, yeah, so much money for university residences. What about us? We're coming. Be patient. Your call will be answered. <laughs> Generally, I'm raising this because you, as students, must make sure that this money goes where it is supposed to go. Not by sitting on tender committees. I'm against that. I'm against that. You have gone to university not to become tenderpreneurs, but to become graduate and entrepreneurs. Just like we are insisting, by the way, with this university accommodation thing, all these buildings must have dining halls so that students must eat. I want to reverse this thing of students cooking for themselves. Students don't go to university to cook. They go to university to study. <laughs> I want to say to you, all of you, we are at the moment working on putting a recommendation towards 
implement full implementation of free education to government to say this is how it should be done and we want to develop we've developed a final set of proposals on how we can face this in over the next four to five years so that it ends up covering everybody who is deserving and needy. We are committed, uh, Chief and uh, President West South, to expanding university capacity, just like we are doing with colleges. By the way, we are building three new universities, not two. It's Northern Cape, it's Bumalanga, the president will be turning the sword late September into early October. And we start building this year. We have set aside 2.1 billion over the next three years, as we have said. But also, this new health university, which will incorporate Medunza, it's, a, it's going to be a new university because we want to expand it to offer a whole range of programs. It will be a comprehensive health university that will not only train doctors, but also will train mid-level skills, which are very important. Your physiotherapists, your dental assistants, a whole range of those disciplines. <laughs> so that there is a balance. Radiographers, by the way, we're running short of radiographers. As you know, there are many challenges in the set. Let me end by saying we are committed to strengthening South or a South type organization that represents all the SRCs in the 23 universities. We committed to that as a department. We've said to South, come up with a proposal. I understand, Chief, we are working at this. Universities must give money to their SRCs to affiliate to a student's union organization. <laughs> Universities can only give money to vice chancellors to affiliate to HISA. If there is HISA and affiliation, students also must do the same. So that the voice of the student must not be feared, but it must be heard. Must not be suppressed, it must be engaged. We must do the same with FET. For your association, FET colleges must pay for each SRC to affiliate. Of course you must be inclusive. Of course you must be inclusive, but democratic as well. That South must reflect the nature of the SRCs from the 23 universities. But you must be inclusive at the same time. Find a way of being inclusive so that nobody feels that it's being marginalized, but also the democratic will must be reflected. So I think that's a discussion you must have. But also as a department, we commit. Because this money you must get from the universities and the colleges, that's the money you must use to run your day-to-day -day affairs. You can't run your day-to-day -day affairs on donations or goodwill. 
Then as a department, we are committed to find spatial capacity building programs for both SAXA and for South. Like student training on student leadership, training on policy issues, and other programs that we can sit down and negotiate and fund unapologetically because a country that doesn't invest in its youth does not have a future. Why don't we agree on that? We will push that the universities do so and we will give you some money. But properly spent, we'll monitor it, of course. <laughs> I'm worried about the growing indebtedness, by the way, of the students. I think it's a matter that we will have to talk about. But I want to say, Omashonisa, please, man, stay away from my students. Stay away from my students. Don't just give out credit cards. Anyhow. Why do you just give any students credit cards? For what? By the time you start, you are already in the credit bureau. We do not think that that is fair. I'm going to be with you for part of this afternoon. Unfortunately, then uh, tomorrow I won't be here, but I want to leave you more into your commissions and with the officials. And the deputy minister will come back on the last day. But I really wish you a very successful. I'm sorry if I've taken a bit longer than I had planned. But, uh, but uh, I, I really wish you a successful thing. I'm very excited about this. And I'm looking forward. Chief is not joking. We must take all what you say and be able to look at. We may, we will obviously, we may say here, no, we don't think we agree. But here where we agree, let's move with speed. I heard you, by the way, on the issue. Um, two things I'm forgetting that are important. We have agreed with HISA um, that one way of taking forward without going the route of the courts this issue of the Higher Education Amendment Act. Because some of the universities were really very keen uh, to take me there. Some of them to defend their own problems that they are trying to hide. We have agreed that, you know what? We've been talking about this issue of university autonomy, but we've never had a structured debate in the country as the higher education community. Why don't I appoint a task team that's going to look into four things and come up with a discussion document with a set of recommendations? Institutional autonomy, academic freedom, public accountability, and the role of universities in our transformation agenda. Deal with those four sets of issues. Now, that's your opportunity now as student formation to really debate and engage. So I'm going to be appointing a task team that is actually going to be doing this. I'm also reviewing the funding formula. The committee that has been doing this has finished its work. 
We are just now tweaking things here and there and we want to release this for public debate. But there are certain things I'm absolutely clear to. I know as officials as accused us, I'm a minister, Niti, we make policy on the podium and the platform. I'm happy to make this one. I want the funding of African languages to be significantly increased and in the mainstream of our country. You know, I was visited by students from the United States who are learning this school, for instance. And I say, students from New York learning an African, a South African, African language. Why can't all South Africans learn at least one African language? That is why we must really congratulate UKZN for what it has done. I want our funding formula to, to increase provision of junior lecturership positions so that we can absorb younger academics to get into academia so that we can be able to change those. But we would like you to have a comment and an engagement with this. Sometimes I feel that students' organizations feel that they are not welcome. We are more than welcome. My door is open. All of you. I have a very interesting set, uh, by the way, you mustn't accuse me of only meeting with Sasko. It's just that Sasko, they know all the time, you can't avoid them. But I've met, I've met with Sadesmo. I haven't had a chance to engage with Dasso. I would like to engage with Dasso. Hear what Dasso is saying. Pasma, you always engage with me through the streets. I would like that also we engage sitting down and we hear you. What are your views? Because our interest is our youth, is our students. Thank you very much.